Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins, and by your Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy on us and has given His only Son to die for us and for His sake, forgives us all of our sins. For those who believe on His name, He gives power to become the children of God and has promised them His Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. The Lord is your keeper.
ministry, your son, Jesus, healed the sick and raised the dead. By the healing medicine of the word and sacraments poured into our hearts, pour into our hearts such love toward you that we may live eternally. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for this, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, is from Lamentations, the third chapter. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth to the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. 
The epistle reading from 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all, under, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, seek that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We now join in singing the hymn of preparation for the gospel reading, hymn number 846.
respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fifth chapter. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing about you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And she strictly charged, he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text, the Holy Gospel for today, the account of the healing that our Lord Jesus Christ performed upon Jairus' daughter. These words, and one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and upon seeing Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet, and he entreated him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her that she may get well and live. 
And Jesus went off with him, and a great multitude was following Jesus and pressing in on him. And while Jesus was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? This is our text, dear friends in Christ. A number of years ago, there was an interesting story in USA Today about a Miss Candy postal waif who had received a sizable check from the Veterans Administration. And that's not really the strange part. The strange part was is that the check that she received in the mail was not made out to her, and so she was determined that the rightful owner of the check should receive it, and so she put the check back into the mailbox the next day and wrote on the envelope wrong address and put it back in there for the mailman to deliver elsewhere and wouldn't you know it but a few days later the same letter came back again and the check was in the mail and determined that the rightful owner would get it she mailed it again and a complicated series of events unrolled after that her mailing out the letter receiving it back she made a number of telephone calls long distance to the Veterans Administration, she made trips to the post office, she corresponded even with the Treasury Department, and yet she received the same check back seven different times, according to the reports that were given. And finally, in desperation, she called the area FBI office, and she told one of the agents that she intended to destroy the check, thinking that that might excite something. He informed her that she couldn't destroy the check because the check was government property, and it was against the law to destroy government property. And so then she said that she would cash the check in. And he said that you can't do that either because it's not yours, doesn't belong to you. I don't know whatever happened to that check. I don't know whatever happened to Miss Postal Wait. But you can certainly be confident that she was frustrated by it all. The last thing that we heard, the article simply concluded by saying that she was, quote, waiting further instructions, unquote. It might be amusing to us, but we certainly all know the feeling and the sensation of waiting further instructions, of being put on hold for one reason or the other, how often it happens with ordering something over the phone or trying to contact customer service that you get that hold message and you're put on hold for who knows how long, at least the courtesy now is given of telling you how long you'll have to be put on hold. Interesting customer surveys that have been taken on customer dissatisfaction recently have revealed over the past 15 years the number one complaint about customer service is being put on hold when you call in, this being the first year that it fell from first place to third place, with two other concerns being even greater among customers. But we certainly don't like being put on hold. It frustrates us, especially if being put on hold means that we can't get through and it's a matter of urgency, as has happened at times with some 911 calls that have been made. Keeping that in mind, this whole idea of being put on hold and the frustration of it, especially when there's something urgent at hand. Keeping that in mind, picture now in our text for today, this frantic father named Jairus. Because certainly if anyone was put on hold, it was this man. 
His daughter is deathly ill. In fact, his daughter is dying and no one's been able to do a thing for her. He's hard-pressed to find something that might work. He's heard much about Jesus of Nazareth, how the day before he had already, as we heard last week in the gospel, stilled a storm at sea. And that very morning, how he had miraculously healed two demoniacs in the Gesserit shore. And then afterward, taking a boat to Capernaum, how he had said to a paralytic, rise up, take up your pallet and go home. And the man rose up and he walked like he never had been stricken at all by the crippling paralysis that he had. Who is this man? And Jairus certainly must have thought that and thought, I have to contact this man, I have to be able to get to this man, I have to be able to get in touch with this man. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him and that the, the demons and the diseases give way to him? Who is this man? But was there perhaps also a limit, as there any, any mortal would have, is there a limit perhaps to what this man would be able to do? in a certain period of time. After healing the demonics and stilling the storm at sea and healing the paralytic and then, of course, confronting, as he did, the self-righteous Pharisees and having debate with them, those Pharisees who cornered him outside of the house of Matthew, the despised tax collector whom he had that very day dared to eat with, and then even called to be a disciple, and now the Pharisees were gathered about him questioning him about all of these things. After all of that, might he, Jesus, not be too tired? Might he not be too exhausted? Might he not be too involved with other things to give attention to this man? Especially because this man, Jairus, was a religious leader, Scripture tells us. He was a leader of the synagogue. And Jesus, just having put up with so many religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, would he give attention now to another religious leader of the day? And so you can imagine that from the Father's standpoint, the timing of the whole situation could not have been worse. And yet, what choice does he have? And so he pursues the cause. His daughter is dying. He must get to Jesus. And making his way through the crowd, he makes it to Jesus. And he has to do it because, after all, what's a father to do? This is his only daughter, Scripture tells us. It's not that he had others. This is his only daughter. Just a young girl, 12 years old. Time is quickly running out. Tomorrow would be too late. It must be today that he gets to Jesus. And so with a pace that raced this father's breaking heart, determined as he is, he sets out to find help for his dying daughter. And finally he comes to Jesus. Jesus still talking to the Pharisees outside of Matthew's house and setting all pride aside, setting all pretense aside as to who he is, setting all protocol aside. The man, the text tells us, falls on his face before Jesus. He comes literally begging Jesus in this most humble of positions, my little daughter, he says, is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she would be healed and live. And so Mark tells us, and Jesus went with him. And Jesus went with him. And a great crowd followed. And the great crowd 
Mark says, thronged about him. Now, if the crowd had simply followed him, that probably wouldn't have delayed Jesus and Jairus too much in being able to get to the house where the little girl was. Maybe not, would, would not have slowed them down that much, but Mark tells us that the crowd thronged about him. Interesting Greek word, soon flebo, pressing about him on every side, pressing him from the front, pressing him from the back, pressing him from the sides. And they are pressing in upon Jesus and Jairus so that they can't make the progress they otherwise would make. Can't you imagine Jairus' thoughts as the crowd is pressing on, not simply from the sides and the back, but from the front as well, and the progress being slowed down by this pressing throng. Time is running out. Precious minutes are flying by, so wasted because of the crowd. Can you imagine how despairing the father perhaps must have been? And then, and then of course, the worst happens. The worst happens. Without warning, Jairus is further put on hold because there's a woman in the crowd. And this woman is suffering with an incurable disease that she had had for 12 years. And during the entire lifetime then of Jairus' dying daughter, who was 12 years old, this poor woman had had this terrible problem something that the doctors themselves had been unable to help her with at all. If only I can reach out, she says, and even touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I'll be healed, I'll be restored, and Jesus is hastily, of course, remember walking now with Jairus, trying to get through this throng of people, and she reaches out, and she only touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and she is healed didn't take much time, did it? She didn't slow them down in their progress in getting to Jairus' daughter. All she did was follow behind, reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She didn't put the whole situation on hold, but Jesus did. Jesus is the one who determines that he would stop, turn about, ask who touched me, speak to this woman, she tells him the whole story of her illness. Can't you imagine Jairus at that point in time as this woman is laying out the whole history of her illness before Jesus? And he is so eager to get to his dying daughter. Jesus puts it all on hold. And while Jesus was still speaking, Mark says, some men came from the house of Jairus and they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And ignoring what they said, Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And they went to the house of Jairus, where Jesus took Jairus and his wife, along with his inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, into the room where the little girl was, and Jesus took her by her lifeless hand. And he said to her, as we heard in today's gospel reading, Talitha kumi, little girl, I say unto thee, rise up. And immediately the little girl stood up and she walked about the room. Jesus put Jairus on hold, but he did not forsake him in his need. 
in due time, in his time, he reached out and he robbed death of its prey and with the word he put life back into that little girl who indeed had been dead. And sometime later, Jesus put people on hold again. He does that with his people for his good reason. He put people on hold again. Remember Mary and Martha who had sent word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus was seriously ill and would surely die if Jesus didn't get there to their home quickly. And scripture then tells us that Jesus intentionally waited until Lazarus had been dead for four days before he makes his way to Mary and Martha and to his good friend Lazarus who was dying. And only then did he arrive at the home of Mary and Martha, who with a hint of accusation said, If only you had been here, Lord, our brother would not have died. But do you remember what happened? Jesus stood before the tomb of their dead brother, and he shouted out, Lazarus, come forth. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. He came forth, and he was bound, and they untied him, let him go. Would we not be wise to learn from both of these accounts, from that of Jairus and that of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, would we not be wise to learn from these accounts that our Lord establishes his own agenda and he does his own thing in his own way, always for the good of his people? You see, faith merely makes its earnest appeal. And then it leaves the timing of the resolution of the problem to God. It leaves it to him to determine when and how he will accomplish what is best for his own. Even as did Jairus through the learning experience of it all, and certainly Mary and Martha as well. When faith is put on hold, and note it well, when faith is put on hold, it still holds on to Christ. It looks to the cross and it says, there is my confidence. When it's put on hold, there is my confidence that Jesus Christ has taken hold of me and he's not going to let me go because there is where he took hold of the worst of me, where he took hold of all of my sins and the worst of all of my transgressions and he paid for them all in full because he wouldn't let go even of them. There is where he stretched forth his arms and he gathered onto himself not only my sins but the sins of the whole world and seeing that as the most important concern he pressed forward onto the cross and there took all of our transgressions onto himself that's where he took hold of my sins and he died with my sins and he was buried with my sins there's where he held my life so close to his and my death so close to his that even as he died and was raised again from the dead so I might be raised also then and walk in this newness of life that is mine because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the Apostle Paul said so eloquently in today's epistle lesson though he was rich having all that heaven holds yet for your sake he became poor that through his poverty exposed most surely upon the cross of Calvary through his poverty you might be made eternally rich. It still holds true. When we're put on hold by God, our faith still holds on to Christ because the cross proves 
that he will not forsake us, even as he delivered us from our sins, so also he will deliver us from every one of sin's afflictions in our lives. There's a modern painting by the artist named Shields, which symbolizes the qualities of a patient faith when it's put on hold. A beautiful creature with great wings is standing alone. Her ankles have been chained to a large and a huge sundial. She possesses powers of flight, but she can't use them until God's appointed time comes. And meanwhile, she just waits, crowned with thorns, encircled by growing briars and thickets all about her. But she clasps to her breast the word of God, and she bears on her shoulders the yoke of Christ. And her lips are closed uncomplainingly, and her eyes are looking forward to things afar off in the distance. And so she waits in faith, holding on to that word of God, that promise of Christ, knowing that in his good time, the call will come, the fetters will be struck from her, and her wings will finally be given opportunity to soar. A grand portrait of faith, a faith being put on hold patiently and firmly, holding on to the love and to the goodness and to the mercy of God. As our Old Testament lesson put it so beautifully this morning, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail us. They are new to us every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. It is. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and sing the hymn with me. Great is thy faithfulness.
faithfulness, let us now pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their need. <coughs> For God's love that made us and still sustains us, for the gift of redemption through Jesus Christ, who gave himself into death for our sin, that we might have life in his name, and for faith in Christ, created in us through the work of the Holy Spirit, in the means of grace, we give thanks. And we pray that through the regular use of his word and sacraments that God so faithfully supplies and delivers to us, that the flame of faith might be kept burning in us all, it may be lived out in love for each other. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the safekeeping and defense of Christ's church, through faithful pastors committed to orthodox teaching and preaching, and hearers glad and eager to hear it and defend it, we pray. We pray also for congregations currently without a pastor, that the Lord of the church would supply ordained under-shepherds made fit through education and training to administer his gifts to his people in need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Knowing that though Christ was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become eternally rich, we pray that Christ's love would stir us to love one another and regularly give from what we've been given in order that through the ministry of the church, others may know the love of Christ and that our abundance may be put to use to supply the needs of those needful. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that God would grant wisdom and godly discernment to the leaders of our land in times of testing, to this end, that he would bless our president and governor and those who serve us on every level of government, that all who bear office may serve God's holy will for the protection of the weak, the promotion of virtue, the discouragement of evil, and the establishment of peace and harmony. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Spirit enabled sanctified living of Christians in our homes, that our homes may be places of faith and love in Christ, where husband and wife and parent and child all live in Christ-like love toward one another, encouraging each other in the faith. We ask the Lord of the Christian home also to receive our prayer of thanks for the four years of marriage that Charlie and Mary Alberti celebrate. We ask that he would be the constant presence in their home for all of their days together. We give thanks also that the Lord granted the gift of a healthy first great-grandchild to Marilyn Brewer, grandchild to Toad and Tammy Phillips, and granting to Ryan and Kristen Phillips the birth of a healthy son, Aidan Thomas. Having delivered him safely into this world, we ask that you would protect him also, Lord, until you deliver him into, into your kingdom through the waters of holy baptism. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of quiet confidence and faith to all who are ill and infirmed, emotionally, mentally, or physically impaired or homebound, including Hugh Ryan and Dick and Elsie Much, those who struggle, Marguerite Helt, Ruth Allfeld, Ian McDermott, that each would be enabled to trust patiently in God's wisdom and in his timing to bring healing, indeed eternal healing, to those whom in baptism he has promised it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God would grant comfort and peace to those who grieve the loss of loved ones, including, including Dorothy Latham and family at the death of her husband, Robert, 
and to those in the last hours of this mortal life, that they would know the peace and promise of eternal life, won by Christ Jesus, and the resurrection of the body on this world's last day, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In these and whatsoever things we should ask, we pray that you would grant to us, Lord, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But deliver us from evil. For thine is thy kingdom, and in your presence and received both the forgiveness of our many sins and the assurance of your steadfast love in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this undeserved grace and ask you to keep us in faith until with all your saints we inherit the fullness of our eternal salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your, Lord, uh, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.